Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Aaron Orstrom, and I am a software engineer that has recently uh, transitioned over to product management. Um, I currently work at a company at a national-based company called Navi Health um, as a product owner for our integration and architecture teams. Uh, and Navi Health, what we do is we monitor p- uh, patient post-acute care, uh, their journeys after they go from the hospital and whatever care they receive. Um, and then we also do have a predictive software that tr- uh, tries to predict where the patients will make the most gains faster um, in an effort to save both the patients and the insurance company's money. Um, that's not the official company pitch, but it's the it's the sh- shortest way I've found or the easiest way I've found to explain briefly what the company does. Med tech is a big thing these days, especially with with all these problems that we need solutions to. I'll just leave it with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So awesome. So let's just jump right in. Um, I'm hearing from some leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? I don't really think it needs to be as challenging as 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 we're hearing that it is. on a lot of tech job listings, you'll see like it sounds like the hiring managers are looking are looking for their magical unicorn candidate. Um, they want someone who like is has five plus years of experience with all the technologies, all the languages, all the frameworks. Um, and the tech scene is unfortunately still largely dominated by young white males. And there are plenty of females, of people of color and other minorities that that are there, that are talented, that are hungry, that are curious and and just want to learn and, and make cool stuff. But with these, you know, these job postings that are trying to find these magical candidates, it intimidates a lot of people, especially for the people who are trying to get their just trying to get their foot in the door. Um, and actually I I used to host a podcast with my friend Dave and we had an episode on applying for jobs. And, uh, one of the things that came up was, uh, women specifically, uh, there, there are studies and things that have shown, um, a woman will, will only apply to a job if she meets about 90% or more of the criteria. Whereas a man typically will apply to a job, even if he only meets about 50 to 60% of the criteria. So you're getting more of those males applying to the jobs and and maybe that speaks to confidence levels or who knows. Um, but you're, you're getting predominantly white males who apply to these jobs when there are other people who would be interested in working for the company or, 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 you know, working as a software engineer, um, but just are hesitant to try and, you know, apply for those jobs. So um, really connecting, I think, with with potential candidates and and even just connecting as people genuinely, um, like it really doesn't need to be as challenging as we're making it out to be to find good talent. It's out there. We just have to really cultivate it and connect with them. Yeah. And I, I've, I've heard that statistic cited um, elsewhere. And so I feel like it's a common enough statistic that people should really take it to heart mm-hmm. and figure out if they can sort of create mechanisms that don't cause that to be a barrier, right? So Definitely. 100% agree. What do you think about the push to remove the requirement for CS degrees for many software engineering roles? 
Honestly, I'm all for it. Like, I personally don't have a CS degree. I ended up graduating uh, with an undergrad degree in sociology that I didn't end up directly using. Um, The way I got my foot in the door as a software engineer was I went through a six-month software boot camp program uh, called Nashville Software School, which is local to Nashville. Um, And, like, those skills can be taught. They um, and and they're like the boot camps are becoming more and more popular. Um, And based on what I've read and heard and and I've talked to people who do have computer science degrees, the computer science degrees mostly focus more on the more more like the theory and the underlying logic of of computers, whereas the boot camp programs focus more like the hands on projects and working with people um, and building applications and websites and and working uh, in, in an agile environment. And so that is more close closely related to how actual companies operate. Um, so I'm not saying that a CS degree isn't valuable, um, it, that it doesn't have valuable information, but um, just bootcamp programs are becoming more and more popular. So I, while you can learn valuable things in, in, in college in general, um, I don't think it's necessary to have a computer science degree to break into the tech industry. Yeah, it's fantastic that you illustrated like all of the skills that you do have alternative means to be able to acquire. And I think that's really what people are looking for, right? Is like people that can bring those talents to the table. Exactly. And even if you don't, for whatever reason, want to go through a a bootcamp program, there are plenty of online resources um, and Slack groups. If you need, if you get stuck and need help, like there there are ways to learn these skills that don't require you shelling out thousands of dollars, either for uh, a degree or, or going through a bootcamp program. Yeah. What do you think about the apprenticeship pattern? Do you think that would work for some tech roles? I think it can work. Um, I think it, I'm not really familiar with the the pattern. Like I understand what apprenticeship means for the most part, um, but I really think it kind of depends on, um, on the company, like on the structure, uh, on the company value and cu- values and culture um, and whether they, encourage their senior developers to help mentor uh, people who are who are younger and or I shouldn't say younger um, that are more new to the industry and are still a kind of learning everyone's always learning but those who are fresher and aren't aren't as seasoned I guess because um, some people just want you to come in and, and build stuff um, build stuff quickly and not necessarily take the time to cultivate the people who are who are not not as seasoned. Um, so it, it can work. I think it, a lot of it just depends on on how the company is structured and what their culture and values are in in terms of. Um, uh, I think I get what groom, you're saying. Groom, it's like, yeah, grooming it's like, their grooming the new people. Yeah, how much you'll get out of it is directly proportional to how much like talent you're willing to support um, and and make available to help mentor people. So exactly, hundred percent get it. Like you get get out of it what you put in largely. Mm -hmm. And so if people are thinking it's a way for them to get more work done, like over the summer internship, I don't think that's going to result in that much. No, no. And, and honestly, like when, you know, in in terms of a mentorship or apprenticeship kind of relationship, like a lot, there's a lot of peer programming that takes place. And Mm -hmm. some people will argue like, Oh, that, that takes too long. Like we need stuff built faster, but, but really a lot of the time, both, both the mentor and the mentee end up, learning something. Um, and it's kind of, kind of like its own code review, like in process. Um, sure. so that, you know, one person's driving, but like one person's like, Oh, you forgot a semicolon, not necessarily trying to like critique someone's work, but you're, you're collaborating together in a way, um, to, to build quality code. And even if it takes a little longer, like you, you, or you, um, prevent a lot of the bugs or mistakes that would have gone through had one person just been working on it alone. 
Yeah. And as, as software engineers, I think we would both agree that if you catch something earlier, it's overall less expensive Absolutely. than the work effort it takes to catch it later on and even in the yep. code review process. So Absolutely. Yeah. It, it costs time and money uh, to bring, like if, if a QA catches a bug, it takes a lot more time to put it back through the development process to fix it than it does catching it as it's being developed. Yeah, for sure. So what advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? So let's say they've done a good job of, of bringing in more women, more people mm -hmm. of color. How do they keep them and prevent them from just like immediately leaving? Sure. I think um, you the companies and in, in the leadership really need to just listen to what people are looking for. So I'll, I'll use an example. Um, you know, during this during this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, a lot of companies have started uh, opening up their remote work policies or that flexibility. Like some companies have just gone 100 percent remote forever um, or indefinitely. And, and then there are some companies that are still kind of hesitant and like wanting to bring people back into the office at some point. Um, a lot of people, and again, uh, this is not, this remote work during this pandemic is not the same as like a regular remote work where, where people like uh, can, are able to send their kids to school and, and have like a, you know, a, an environment for working from home or working remotely. But um, a lot of people have found that this works for their lifestyle. Like they have more control over the, over the distractions that they have at home um, versus in the office, or uh, they, you know, can use the time that they would have spent commuting doing more productive things for their day, like making a healthy breakfast or like spending more time with their family or catching up on reading, like whatever it is, doing more productive things. Um, and so overall, it's, it, a lot of people like it. And so I think in order to stay competitive, um, in, in both retaining and attracting a talent now, like that's, for example, something that, that companies will need to take into account into their culture. Um, so, and, and so aside from remote work, just really listening to, to the employees and, and trusting them, like building, building that trust, um, you hired them for a reason, you know, so let them do what they do best. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah, I would say I would say kind of just listen to the employees, cult, um, give them the ability and encourage them to uh, grow both professionally and, and personally, um, you know, provide different resources, let them go to conferences. Um, yeah, just keep that open communication with the employees. Yeah, and I and I love that, that part of your answer where you get really specific on some of those the ways that companies can show that they're being flexible and mm -hmm. responsive to the needs of the individual and giving them some ability to sort of like almost like pick from a pick from a menu of perks mm -hmm. right? oh you want professional development that's important to you awesome we can provide that level of support or you need more flexibility in your schedule great we can let you work from home work remote if that's going to make you more productive awesome and it's interesting some companies just get that they're just like mm -hmm. yeah like we don't care like wherever you're going to get your work done if you get it done awesome if you get it done in 30 hours in a week instead of 40 hours a week cool I don't care. Just get your work done. <laughs> right? right, exactly. So, and I think it kind of yeah. comes down to like leadership ultimately, like and how they think about um, what productivity means, and and then how employees think about what productivity means. There's a lot of people still in leadership in different companies that feel like in order to to uh, believe that a, an employee is productive, they need to see them in a seat at their computer typing to, or to believe that they're working. Whereas there there are pros and cons in 
measuring productivity based on results because if they become too too focused on the results then you know that can lead to pushing for more and better results and then that can ultimately lead to burnout um but you know each company leadership everyone needs to figure out a way to measure results and productivity so that it works for everyone and not just this mentality of if i don't see you in your seat working i don't believe you're being productive yeah that trust the trust issue that's the trust issue right exactly there. exactly so, <laughs> who is someone like yourself because you seem to get it together or have it together um that you'd like to acknowledge as a leader in tech or somebody that would have a really good take on this and should be invited yeah. to be a guest on a podcast like this yeah um so the actually the first person who popped in my head when i when i was thinking about this question was uh alicia novin um he is currently the director of engineering at a company at a national based company called solero engineer or i'm sorry <laughs> solero commerce um and he he and i actually had a conversation uh earlier i want to say it was maybe back in june or july um he had posted on his linkedin uh pro, or not on his profile but he made a linkedin post saying that he was going to open up his um um, just open up his schedule, like his lunch hour schedule for the next week or two, um, to just whoever wanted to talk. Um, and it, it, part of it came about because, you know, with this pandemic, a lot of the meetups and things have gone virtual and it really, we lose that person to person like interaction and, um, and, and just those spontaneous conversations, you know, when you're waiting for, for the meetup to get, to get started or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of an effort for him to um, to get to know uh, other people and, and just kind of really act as a mentor to anyone who who just wanted advice about um, about whatever. Um, and so he and I actually had a conversation uh, kind of related to uh, attracting and, ma- and maintaining talent because um, he had originally reached out to me for a software engineering position. Um, but at the time I was like, well, I'm actually I've moved over to product now. Um, so I appreciate it. But um, and then he was talking about wanting to to get more women on the team, get more people of color on the team, because unfortunately, that team at the time, at least at the time, was mostly white males, and he was wanting to help diversify. And so we actually had an interesting conversation ab- about almost exactly this: about you know what, how how do do you know anyone um, you know to that would help help diversify our team, and and what would attract you to to a place. Um, in, in yeah. terms of d- diversifying the team. Sounds like a phenomenal guest. It's definitely yeah. something that's on top of mind. So he's on the radar. We'll see if we can get on the program. So cool. where can we find out more information about your company or your, your website? Like what, what would you like to promote? This is your chance. Shameless plugs. <laughs> sure. Um, so just the company I work for, Navi Health, um, probably the best place to get to get news and information about them would be the company website, which is just navihealth.com. Uh, and I, sorry, N-A-V-I-H-E-A lth.com. Um, and then the, probably the LinkedIn page too has a lot of information. Um, as for myself personally, um, I don't have a lot of extra projects going on right now, but I am, I have been updating my website, my personal website a lot this year. And I've been trying to get back into uh, blogging more regularly. Um, and it's just AaronOrstrom.com. Uh, last name is O-R-S-T-R-O-M. Um, and so I've got, I've got some blog posts from earlier this year. Um, if, if folks want to check that out. Awesome. And we'll throw those in the show notes so that people will be able to find those links super easy. So last and most important question, what have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? <laughs> so probably over the last few months, especially during quarantine, I have been getting the, the big cheese. It's like, 
there's like regular size Cheez-Its and then there's these like big Cheez-Its that are the like double the size and those are just so easy to like eat half a box in one sitting if you're Wait, not there are, there are double size Cheez-Its yeah yeah they're oh, I, I can even yeah they're they're like double the size um and then the other thing is my mom recently introduced me to these uh to these sweets that she picks up at Kroger's and they're called uh, they're called orange jewels and it's essentially like these, these log looking things that, uh, are dark chocolate with like an orange jelly center. And those are, those are pretty addicting if you're not careful. Those sound really <laughs> good. I'm still yes. stuck on the giant cheese. It's still, I've yes. never heard nor seen of this, but I mean, yeah. I have cheese. It's right up here on my shelf, but <laughs> I just feel like you'd put two cheese. It's in your mouth at the same time, but that seems almost like a sin to put multiple cheese. It's in your mouth. So right. giant <laughs> yeah, this, this, this makes it a little easier to go like one at a time versus trying to like pop in a handful. Um, but yeah. it literally just is big cheese. It's on the box, like the word big. Um, but yeah, they right. just, they're just what I go for down the, down the snack aisle. Nice. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Eric, Aaron. I really appreciate you uh, coming to the program. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 